This week's episode of Say It Out Loud contains adult language and frank conversations about race and violence. If any of those things offend you, well, you may want to wait until next week's episode. If not, let's get on with the show. Okay, so uh, here we go. All right, here we go. Every woman I know has at least one story, if given the opportunity to tell it, could change the world. You cannot heal what you conceal. Darling, you have got to say it out loud. You got to say it out loud. My name is Shauna Renee, and I'm here to say it out loud. You know what I'm saying? You got a tribe, when you got a posse, when you got a squad. Say it out loud. Among my favorite stories ever told is the one of Oprah Winfrey's grandmother giving a young Oprah advice on how to survive as a black person in America. Grow up and get yourself some good white folk. Of course, Oprah's granny was talking about bosses, but Oprah took that piece of advice and applied it to her own life by getting her some good white employees. When I hear it, I think of allies Because we all know that a good white ally is worth his or her weight in gold. And they are not easy to come by. Sure, you can have plenty of white friends, but not all your friends are your allies. I happened to grow up in a racially diverse neighborhood back when hard work was all that you need to guarantee a middle class existence. My friends were black, they were white, Asian, Jewish. And if ever I questioned whether or not one of my non-black friends was an ally, I just begin to pay close attention to the words that they used, or more importantly, the words that they didn't use to describe black folks. Nigga, nigger, nigra. Allies understood even back then that no matter how comfortable we were, those were no-no. Unless you were given a pass, which didn't happen often, but it did happen. One of my good friends in high school, she was the daughter of a white man and a Polynesian woman. She grew up around black folks, kind of looked like a light-skinned black girl. She sat on the black side of the cafeteria at lunch. She loved our music. She could dance. She was, for all intents and purposes, black. So one day, the sisters held a meeting to discuss whether or not we would allow our black-adjacent friend to say nigga. Now, you might be asking yourself, was a meeting really necessary? Absolutely. We were living in a time and in a place where white people were being beaten and killed for using the word without permission. Like the summer between my junior and senior year in high school, two black girls, twins, were charged with assault with the intent to cause bodily harm after they were videotaped beating an older white woman to the ground. Their lawyers argued that the beating was justified because the white woman had called them niggers. A jury of 10 blacks and two whites agreed and found them not guilty. After the verdict, there was this collective shoulder shrug among black residents in Detroit. I mean, there were just things that you did not do. And calling a black person a nigger, a nigger, a nigra was number one on that list. Unless you were given a pass. My homegirl was given a pass. And that was my first and only pass ever given. And thankfully, I lived my entire childhood in Detroit without ever being called a nigga or even hearing it uttered in my presence by a non-black person. I was in my 20s living in Washington, D.C. when it finally happened. 
was a Friday night, and despite being exhausted from a long week at work, my brother convinced me to join him and his business partners at a cigar bar downtown to celebrate his best friend's birthday. Now, this was the early 2000s, and D.C. had built a reputation for being a city that worked hard during the day and partied hard at night. I mean, we would party in waves, though. So, like, after work, we'd hit the happy hour, and then we'd go home, change clothes, and then come out for the party party around 11. So I figured that night, if I arrived at the bar around 9, I had maybe a good two hours to say my hellos, have a couple of drinks, and then roll out before it got crunk. I was so determined to get in and out that I drove right up to the valet, which I never do without first driving around the block a few times looking for street parking because one, I'm cheap and two, I hate waiting for my car at the end of the night. I arrived at the spot just in time for the big champagne toast and cake, had a few laughs, I danced, then I went on and said my goodbyes. Now, usually my brother walks me out of the club, but he was having entirely too much fun. So I assured him I'd be fine because I valeted my car and it was still early enough that the wait wouldn't be too bad. The first thing I noticed as I walked out was the line. It was already wrapped around the building. I'm like, whoa, I got out of there just in time, man. Okay, let me pause for a second here. I don't want you to think that I'm a stick in the mud. Hardly. I mean, I've closed down my fair share of clubs. I mean, I've had club owners treat me and my girlfriends to like breakfast after the let out. But this night was different. I don't know. Maybe I was PMSing. Maybe my man was getting on my nerves. I can't really remember. But what I do remember is that I was irritable. I was tired and I was ready to go home. So as I waited for the valet, this guy approached me. He was wearing jeans, an oversized basketball jersey, and his long blonde hair was somehow coaxed back into cornrows. Hey, you gonna let me buy you a drink? I looked at him. I was like, no, I'm good. He's like, come on, let's go in. We can talk, you know, get to know each other. Actually, I was already in there and I've had enough. I'm tired. It's time for me to go home, boo. He looked at me up and down with this kind of bewildered look on his face. And he was like, what? Come on, you act like you old. Then he reaches out for my hand. And at that point, I'd had enough. Now, I'm still trying to be polite, but firm. So I say, look, I am sure there are plenty of girls in there that would love your company. But me, I'm going home. Now, his friend, who was also dressed like his twin, right down to the hairstyle, except his braids were more of a sandy brown, Stood back in the cut watching all of this go down. And I guess he felt bad for his boy. So he walks over and instructs him to drop his Captain Save a Ho routine. Er, ho. <laughs> who you calling a ho? Blondie, who I suspect saw his chances with me, quickly began to fade, jumped in and said, Nigga, chill. He was just playing. And then all of a sudden, Everything went silent. All I could hear were my thoughts. The Shauna on my right shoulder, along with the Shauna on my left shoulder, arguing. Did he just call me a nigga? Yes, but it was with an A. Nigga. So it's different. Shit. The hell it is. See, the problem is you have been in D.C. too long. No, 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 no. It is different. I mean, if he had added the ER, then we would have had to cuss him out. Oh, E-R-A? 
R.A., baby, it don't matter because it's on and popping. And it was. I began to say a few things that no one should say in polite company. And he responded with a few things that one shouldn't repeat in polite company. And the next thing I know, the two of us are standing in the middle of the street yelling, cursing, talking about each other's mamas (laughs) with everyone looking around. And then that's when I remembered. There are at least 200 black folks in line, not even 10 feet away from me. Certainly they heard this white boy call me a nigga, among other things at this point. And at any minute, someone is going to step up and save me. I have never felt so homesick or alone than I had in that moment. And to make matters worse, The brother that was with these two, yes, they had a black friend. I mean, how else were they going to know where to get their hair cornrowed? Well, he pulls out a $50 bill from his pocket and throws it on the ground and promises to give it to whichever one of these white boys punches me in the face first. I have only ever been in two fights in my life. Because most times people assume anyone who talks as much shit as I do must be able to back it up. So they just kind of leave me alone after a while. But I had a feeling I was not going to get off that easy this night. And I was scared. But if I had to take one for the team and by the team at this point, I mean me and me alone. I was going to go down fighting. So I took off my high heels so I'd be face to face with the little one with the big mouth and I dropped one of my shoes to the ground and I held one in my hand because I figured that if I sort of got the sense that he was going to try to hit me I would have what like maybe 0.2 seconds to just wedge that sucker right in his eye it was a long shot I knew but it was all that I could think to do to prevent from ending up face down in the middle of M Street on a Friday night in front of hundreds of black folks who clearly have raggedy racial boundaries But thank God it didn't have to come to that because out of nowhere, like an angel from heaven, (laughs) my old college roommate walks up. She sees me there standing barefoot in the middle of the street with one shoe in my hand and the other on the curb. She walks right up to me and in her loud New Jersey accent asks, is everything okay? I shake my head. No. Now, she's there for the exact same reason I am, to celebrate Ra's birthday. So without hesitation, she walks straight to the front of the line, introduces herself to the bouncer, and asks him to let the folks at the VIP table on the third floor know that they need to come downstairs now. And at the exact moment the valet brings my car, finally, a dozen men rush out of the club led by my brother who comes over to me, leads me to my car, deposits me in the driver's seat, shuts the door and instructs me to just drive away and not look back. I drove about five blocks before I found a space to pull over. The tears were just streaming down my face and they made it impossible for me to see. So I just sat there angry and confused I mean how could chocolate city betray me like this a few weeks later I caught up with my brother to ask him what happened to those guys and he told me don't worry about it it was taken care of and honestly to this day I still don't know but what I do know 
is that no matter how you feel about black people using the N-word among themselves, it coming out of a non-black person's mouth, whatever the intention, is an act of aggression and deserves to be met with an equally aggressive response. That's the Detroit in me. And a true ally knows this to be true and would much rather spend their time tearing down the walls of oppression than reinforcing the walls of their own privilege. <laughs>